Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode of the Married People Podcast, which is going to be a little different than normal. That's because this is a combined podcast episode with another marriage podcast. It's podcast inception. This is going to be fun. That's right. Our friend Ted Lowe co-hosted today's episode with the creators of Growing in Marriage, which is a podcast by Big Rich Indiana Millentree. Big Rich Indiana have worked in marriage ministry for a number of years and created Growing in Marriage to help married couples everywhere. And you can learn about what they do at growinginmarriage.com. Since their mission is the same as our mission here at Married People, we decided to join forces this week, which means you can also hear this same episode on the Growing in Marriage podcast, except we've got giveaways. That's right, people. We've got exclusive giveaways on this episode of the Married People podcast, and the Growing in Marriage folks have giveaways on their episode as well. So you'll want to check out both podcast episodes to learn how you can win stuff from All of us, basically. So be sure to visit our show notes at marriedpeople.org for your chance to win the giveaway for this episode. All right, you got all that? I know that was a lot. I told you, podcast inception, there's gonna be a lot to keep track of here, but you can do it. This is gonna be fun. Without further ado, let's get into this week's conversation between Ted, Big Rich, and Deanna. Okay, so I am so excited today because we have had this interview lined up for a few weeks now. And by the time it actually releases, it's going to be over a month that we've we've had this interview lined up. And I have been advertising it kind of as a uh, a TED talk on social media. So official sounding. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure people have been wondering what in the world they were on TED talk. How did they get there? And I'm going to burst your bubble a little bit for us. But I think your expectations and your wow is going to go skyrocket because today we have Ted Lowe who is joining us on the Growing in Marriage podcast and we are just so super excited for Ted to be here and uh, Ted's going to tell us a little bit about himself and uh, what he's doing and I met Ted or I should say was introduced to Ted via social media and there was this podcast or this Instagram account that got started called Married People. And I love the the social media posts that they were putting up. But then they started a podcast and I started to listen to their podcast and uh, Afton and Ted and they were just wonderful. And the way that they talked about their issues, uh, the, the, the things that they were solving in marriage and what they were doing, I was like, I got to know more about what they're doing. So I looked them up online and they got a whole bunch of stuff going and I love it. Absolutely love it. So I want Ted to share a little bit about himself so you guys get a a much better picture because I'm not doing Ted justice here. And uh, so, Ted, if you could share a little bit about yourself, but thank you so much for being here because I am so excited and I think our listeners are going to be totally blessed uh, by our conversation today. Thank you, Big Rich and Deanna. You know, we're doing this thing like bringing our podcasts colliding together. So you're actually, Big Rich and Deanna, you're actually 
on our show, we're actually interviewing you. So, so you called to interview me. We're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> we're it. all trying to crank these suckers out, baby. You know, yes, I love it. On the other end, we're going to have to share the love. And so that's what I'm yes. excited about. But I loved it when I first got your email and I saw Big Rich and Deanna. I got to be honest, being from the, the South, I thought you guys were going to be country Western singers. You know, Big Rich <laughs> no. and Deanna. We do not. There's not one single melody in our. <laughs> right. You do not want to hear us sing, no. I promise you. So we, we'll save our listeners from that. Okay, that's good. Thank so I'll let you guys introduce yourself, uh, but I'll yes, answer your questions first. We're going to figure out uh, how we're going to do this out as we yeah. go, which is okay, because that's kind of how these things roll, at least on our ends. Yep. Yeah, so I've been married to Nancy Lowe for almost 24 years. We have five kids and uh, love and life, and we started marriedpeople.org in 2010. I worked for a church here in Atlanta for nine years, just focused on marriage. So that's what I've done for pretty much the last... 20 plus years, even though we've just been married, you know, just a few more years than that. Uh, right. And just pouring in marriage, mostly through the local church. Like, how do we help churches help marriages? But probably the last two or three years, we're like, let's just speak straight to couples. Um, and churches can point people there. But so that's been a lot of fun with Afton and, uh, and with CJ and watching that grow and kind of take off. And I don't know why, but uh, but no, we, we do have a great time with that. And, uh, you know, on our podcast, they're always here, and we want to make marriage real fun and simple. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about you guys, I thought, oh, this is the same DNA. I feel like we're cut from the same cloth here. So thank you guys for being on the Married People podcast as well. Absolutely. So we tell us a little this. bit about yourselves. Yeah. Well, hon, do you want to start? Sure. Well, we've been married for 23 years. Oh, wait. Yes. You said that. And I want to jump in there really quick because you said almost 24. Yes. We're almost 24. Yeah. What's your anniversary date? April 22. Oh, oh no. Okay. You guys are so really close. you guys are closer. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the one that always gets it messed up. <laughs> That's totally. I like to I'm flip that off. cliche. But That's we, good. We, yes. Yeah. We started out as best friends in high school, and then we dated for three and a half years after high school, and then we got married. So we've been together for quite a while. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we have two children, and we as well do, you know, Rich is a marriage pastor at our church, and he started out in ministry with youth and then um, knew that that wasn't the calling for him. And so we just, you know, he went on to um, adults and yeah. married. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just love the aspect of serving married couples. I think that there's just something so wonderful about that, that we get to be involved in some of the most intimate Mm -hmm. conversations and intimate aspects of a couple's life and then help them kind of pull all of that together and say, okay, so how do we do this in a way that is honoring to God and honoring to our spouse and then feel like that this is just a wonderful union that God has brought together and we're not only growing in intimacy with one another, but we're growing with intimacy with each other, with God as well, and then with others and and being able to show that in our community and so forth. It's just wonderful. I love it. Yeah. And one thing is that, you know, oftentimes people feel like they're on an island to themselves. Totally. Really, whenever you we do small groups, that really helps because then people are doing life with each other and realizing, hey, I've experienced this maybe you know, a couple of years ago, or it's going to be coming or whatever it may be. So it's always nice to be able to facilitate that and get others involved and just live in community with each other. Yeah, absolutely. We tell churches all the time, we've got to let couples know that struggle is normal, right? but hope is available. Because I think sometimes we do both, but Deanna, you make such a great point. 
couples really do. They come to church and they're sitting there, and maybe this is couples in general. They think they're the only ones struggling. They look around mm-hmm. and they go, everybody else looks perfect. But I want to say to them, so do you, right? Right, so, right, um, right. So I do think that when you put them in community, that is so, it is so, it's so powerful to know you're not doing this thing all alone or you're not the one that's struggling. Right. And I think that, you know, people want to, whenever they do something, if they're, if they're walking in sin, of course, the natural thing is to, you know, feel shame. And that's what Satan wants to do is put us in bondage. And then we do introvert. And it's so much more freedom whenever we're able to speak to other people and let them know, hey, this is what I'm going through. And they can speak into your lives. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking life. So mm-hmm. it feels like we're the generation that, you know, pushes the garage door, goes in, shuts it behind them. No one knows what's going on. Right. Uh, I heard a quote the other day, it said, people don't live in community anymore. They live in a collection of homes. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. So true. I think, well, I think yeah. that's true from coast to coast because we're from Georgia and you guys are in uh, California. So yeah, it's yeah. the same truths, right? Absolutely. Right. Well, especially with social media now too. I mean, it's a great avenue to for our podcast and all that good stuff. But then also you're representing something that's really not real sometimes. And so we hide behind the screen and it's really sad that people are not really knowing who you really are because you're putting your best face forward and not really showing what the true heart of the matter is. Yeah. Facebook face. Facebook yep. face. Yep. Everybody's gotta got an that. image manager and we're we hire ourselves for that sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. The yep. marketing department is in full effect uh-huh. for sure. <laughs> so yep. true. The first generation your, that's marketing yeah. themselves on a daily basis. Yes. I want to jump in with a few questions because I have I've developed some questions and I sent them to you so you can kind of mull them over and think through them a little bit. But I am super, super curious to hear your response and for our listeners to hear as well. So if you don't mind, I just want to throw out a couple questions for you, Ted, really quick. Sure. So I think my first one is this. I says. Um, and I'm reading off of my list because I don't have this memorized, obviously, but I think every marriage has a villain and it, that villain has to be identified in order for it to be defeated. But here's the crazy thing though, about this particular villain is that I think in every single marriage, the villain is the same and that villain is selfishness and it's the husband, the wife, we both have aspects of our lives that we are selfish and we're learning to let go of and we're learning to die to ourselves. in. What do you think about that? What's your take on that particular, that thought? I just think it's simple, but I think it's absolutely true. And when you start thinking about the root of this, you know, when people think about marriage, they, you know, we've, they think it's so complicated. They think it's so complex. They think their issues are special and no one understands the struggles like they do. No, it's so mm-hmm. complex and that their story is unique. And in some ways it is, but there's no struggle that's uncommon, right? Like we all, all our stories are a little bit different, but struggles there. And when I speak at a retreat or talk to couples, I'll say, hey, before I start, I want you to draw a circle around yourself. And I didn't come up with this, by the way. I robbed it from somewhere. I don't know who. Uh, you put a circle around yourself, uh, and then the only person I'm talking to is the person in that circle. Mm-hmm. And so I try I like to get that. them to focus, but nine times out of 10, despite the fact I do that, and if, if it's a retreat, I'll say it three or four times. I'm not talking to your spouse, I'm talking to you. No elbows, yes. because ultimately right. people come after me and they go, yeah, 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 I know you said that, but... She always, but yes. he always, and it is, mm-hmm. whether it's a Christian audience or a secular audience, it's the same thing. No, 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 no. There's just something 
that it's so hard to die to self. And I think everything has been uh, wrapped around this thing of getting our needs met. Because what are we told yes. about marriage? We've mm-hmm. got to have this perfect communication. And they think that what happens with that is if we talk about it, I can communicate what I need. And that way you can meet it perfectly because you know what it perfectly is. And what studies have shown, research has shown, that's that's not the case always. There's some couples that are communicating. They're communicating all right. They're communicating yes. very loudly and destructively. Mm-hmm. But what studies are showing is that it's couples are made up of two people who think more highly of their spouse than their spouse thinks of themselves. And the only way we can do that, I think, is to be unselfish. But I think it's so, so difficult to be able to do that. I think it's, yeah. I don't think there's anywhere in culture that encourages us to do that. We certainly don't yeah. see, you know, marriages on TV modeled to do that. What do you bet you guys, what are you seeing when it comes to selfishness? Yeah. I, what you said, I think is so spot on. I would totally agree with that as well. And that selfishness, if there was a way that you could root that out, that you could take that out of the equation of marriage, it would completely and totally change that marriage. Not only would it change the marriage, it would affect and change the the, the world. It would affect every relationship that you have. Mm-hmm. So when we sit down with couples and as we do life group with couples and as we do different things with couples, it is always interesting to see the dynamic of that villain showing up in individual marriages. And it shows up in our marriage as well. I am a selfish, selfish person, and I have to be on guard against that all the time because I want what I want. And the more that, though I feel like the more I put a spotlight on that in myself where I am calling that to attention, the better I get at being able to identify it and to see it creeping up. And then at that point, I have to make a choice. Am I going to be selfish or do I die to myself and um, allow myself to serve other people, especially in, in my marriage, my wife? Yeah, and I think that, you know, you mentioned it earlier, Ted, about the whole society that we live in and stuff. And especially with people, with women and stuff, we don't want to feel like we're being um, a doormat or, you know, st- stomped on or whatever. So really with the whole attitude, and I work, I work with mostly women, and the whole attitude is, well, what about me? Mm-hmm. Well, that's whenever you start to go astray and where the villain does totally come in because then you're getting vindicated by right. other friends and stuff. It's like, well, no, what is the heart of God? Yes. And, and we're not saying that me is not important. Me right. is important. And me does have a place. And I love the airplane analogy. You have to put your oxygen mask on first before yes. you can help the person next to you. And I think that's totally valid. But I think if we can identify where we are truly being selfish, where we have already put our oxygen mask on mm-hmm. and then we still want more or we're not satisfied, I think that's where that's the sweet spot. It is. Yeah. And one of the questions that we bring up, and we've got a, a Bible study, a book called Your Best Us, but the last chapter kind of ends the whole thing on there's there's two different mindsets. There's there's the me mindset, and the me mindset is always asking, is this working for me? Is yes. this marriage working for me? And that's the cohabitation mindset, right? I mean, it's, yes, mm-hmm. it is. If this isn't working, I'm out. And I think a lot of times people bring that from cohabitation into marriage or culturally, whether you live together before or not, we're always asking the question, is this working for me? And when the answer is no, it makes us distant, it makes us frustrated in all areas. So yes. is this the way she spends money? Is this working for me? The way I'm overspending, is that working for her? 
If the answer is no, then we're distant, frustrated. There's a better question. We call it for us mindset. We're asking the question, what am I doing to make this marriage work? And what yes. am I? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And it just postures us in a different way, right? Like to say, okay, she's frustrating me again about you know the credit card bill. But what am I doing to make this marriage work? Well, I need to approach her with kindness. I need to uh, approach her with trying to understand. I need to do it with, you know, that this doesn't encompass all of our relationship. It doesn't encompass her whole personality. It doesn't, you know, hurt her value with me. I had a lady say to me the other day, she says, when my husband and I argue, I just want to know that I'm more important than the thing we're talking about. Oh, that's Mm -hmm. so good. I know. A lot of people can identify with that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, but yeah. I, I agree. But, wait, but the, you know, the good news is, you know, mindset changes, you know, change everything, right? Like, so, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I've heard you say this before. I absolutely love this quote by you. And, and then I found out that after we, you and I were talking on the phone that you didn't coin this, but I still, I heard it from you, so I'm always going to give credit to you. Um, but now that I know better, I guess I should credit the right person as well. But <laughs> I, I hear you say this, and this is so incredibly important. And you said that serving, which really is the, the, the what, what is the thing that kills Dracula, the dagger in his heart, the, the, the silver bullet or whatever yeah. it is, that serving is a race to the back of the line. Mm-hmm. That really puts selfishness and kills selfishness on the spot. Mm-hmm. I love that phrase. How did you come up with it, with, which now I know that it wasn't yours, but man, talk to us a little bit about serving and racing to the back of the line. Well, I actually heard the line from Andy Stanley, who's a pastor here in Atlanta, but he actually ripped it off out of Ephesians. He ripped it off from Paul. So yes, okay. I can just say I ripped it off from Paul or Andy Stanley. That's going to either way. Either way is great. But he talks a lot about Ephesians five twenty one. Talks to you know submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so I feel like what we've done with Ephesians five, we've jumped to the end. And we talk a lot about that men want to be respected, which is true. Great point. Women want to be unconditionally loved. But when you back up to verse 21, both men and women want to be mutually respected. Yes. And so when we say to a woman, oh, you just really want to be chosen every day. You want to be unconditionally loved. There's some truth to that. But I don't know any women who would say, yeah, but I don't want to be respected as well. Right. Uh, (laughs) Right. Diana, will you speak to that? And then I'll finish my thought on that. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we want to be able to, we want to be respected for our mind and for who we are, not just what we can give. And to know that we bring something to the table, a very huge part of, you know, the relationship to the table as well and are respected for what we see. We don't, we don't want to be a doormat. We don't want to be um, less than all that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, the, it is a two-way street, obviously, and clearly. But when we begin to compartmentalize those things, and then we begin to judge one another on, well, you're not holding up your end of the bargain, so I'm not going to hold up my end of the bargain. Start like scripture, keeping score. We do. Score. Mm-hmm. We start keeping score all the time. And, and if we don't do it outright verbally or for our spouse to see, there's this little tally that we have in the back of our mind somewhere that we're always keeping track. 
And that's where I think this race to the back of the line and dying to self and getting rid of selfishness is so incredibly important because it's not a compromise. I actually don't like that term compromise because I don't think that it accurately depicts what should be happening in a relationship, uh, a married relationship. Now, I, I think the term that I like better is dying to self because there are going to be some instances. And when we do come from, when we do compromise, we do things like, well, we're going to go to Disneyland this time on vacation, but next time I get to pick the place that I want to go to. Mm-hmm. And then we pick the place that we want to go to and, well, you know what? We spent $3,000 at Disneyland and we're only spending 1800 on mine. So well, there's an extra $1,200 that I get to spend on my vacation because it's only fair. That is so... Not That's more good. true than I'm comfortable with, Big Rich. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's kind of an icky feeling, too, whenever you're looking at it as a compromise. Totally. It's like, oh, man, I'm bummed. I don't get the, you know, but if you're looking at it as dying to yourself, yes. yeah, that, that stinks. Because but, there are going to be some situations where there isn't a compromise. There's going to be a lot of situations yeah. where there isn't a compromise. So let's say, for example, Ted, you and your wife live in Georgia, and your wife comes to you and says, hey, I got this incredible job offer and it's everything that I've wanted. I've wanted this since I was a little girl and she builds her case and it's in California. And you're like, I don't want to move to California. I want to be right here and I'm happy here. What do you do? Because at some point, if we get to California and then things start falling apart or things are not the way that we envisioned, that bitterness, that selfish monster comes back up. Yes. Mm -hmm. Or how about the case where there is sickness or illness and we have to move to a different area because it is geographically a better case or better place to live. Like, for example, I have asthma and in the Central Valley, it is absolutely horrible to be in a place like this and living with asthma. It would be much better to be in an environment that was more conducive to what would work for me physically like hawaii <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah, could you, Deanna, so, could you suffer for jesus in hawaii? Out there. <laughs> <laughs> so why would my wife selfishly say no you know what we're going to stay right here because everything that i know is here everything that i love is here instead of dying to self and saying you know what if i were in your shoes I would want to move and I would want you to be on um, the same page with me as well because my health is important. There are going to come times and there will be times in your marriages where a compromise just does not work. And that's why I just Mm -hmm. don't like the term. I don't either. And I don't like the term choosing battles or picking battles. We have have the podcast entitled How to Pick Battles, but we just pick that apart. It's going, ah, we don't like that word. We just know Google does. So people will find it. But I think it's, it's... we talk about wanting to grow in our marriage and and have extraordinary marriages. And I think this race to the back of the line is very it's extraordinary. When you see it happening, when you see it lived out, when you see a couple that's been married 50 years just to tell you we just serve each other, we just love each other. You know, you're so right on the tally and thing. I mean, like when I'm exhausted, that's what I tend to do. Like I'm going, like last night I'm going, I just want to sit down. I'm tired. My wife is an electric chihuahua. She never ever sits down. Well, you and my wife, or excuse me, Nancy and my wife would absolutely get along great then because Deanna is the exact same way. Deanna, are you the same way? I am. I am. <laughs> but you know what? The older I get, I've, I've really been enjoying the rest. <laughs> 
I just, there's I hope. It's, it's nice having older kids that can, you know, help clean and all that stuff. So, yes. Put them to, put them <laughs> but to I work. Am. Well, yeah, she, I do. <laughs> and, and if I sit there and I go, I'm really tired. I'm really, really tired. And, you know, let me think about this. I got up earlier this morning. I worked longer than she did today. But, you know, if I start doing that just to yes. give myself an excuse to sit down, because the reality yep. is she doesn't care if I'm sitting down. Like, she doesn't. So why do I have to put that back on her? Why do I have to have, you know, mental permission to sit down? And I've told her before, one time, I said, I just can't keep up with you these days. I just, right. I can't mm-hmm. keep going as quickly. She goes, I don't need you to. But I think when we start doing these things, we start, you know, like you said, you know, racing to the end of the line. We just uh, adopted a nine-year-old and 11-year-old. And so our youngest one was is about to go in high school. Our biological. So all of a sudden, we're back at elementary school again. Man, we're, oh, back, yeah. we're back at the bus stop. We're doing homework at night. I mean, it is one of those things. And I'm watching my professionistic wife, who's a one on the Enneagram, who's just killing, you know, just going, going, going. And I told her, I said, there's nothing I love more than helping you. So just tell me what that is. And I think that's what we've learned from each other is, and we didn't at first. We used to, you know, keep that tally, keep that score. Yes. Um, in fact, one of the counselors said to Nancy yesterday, she's taking one of the girls and the, the counselor says, now this is going to be really divisive for you and your, uh, for your husband. And she goes, no, it's not. We're a team. No, no, it's not <laughs> happening to us. You know, and it's been true and it's not because we're perfect, but it is because, you know, that's why I love doing podcasts and talking with folks like you guys to go, man, it can, marriage really can be great. Like I can share you some totally. bad stories and I want to be transparent and we have some issues, but we do really good. And I would wish our marriage on anybody and not because it's perfect, but because we've tweaked a few things. We have a mindset yes. change on a couple of things and it's awesome. Right? Yeah, yeah. And it's that's we so can great. Choose it too, right? We can make the choice. You absolutely choose it. Yes, yeah. I mean, so there's this trend in today's culture, and you know, I was just actually looking at this yesterday online and looking at divorce statistics, and across the board, divorce statistics are down in the United States. Now, there are some pockets of the United States where that is not true; that doesn't ring true. But across Asthma the country. board. Right. Uh, Divorce is uh, it is trending downward. It's not a big trend. It's like one or two percentage points. But in today's culture, it would appear that marriage is still not a highly regarded institution like it used to be in the past. You know, for example, couples uh, living together, divorce is always an option. Uh, A why did we get married attitude, etc. Would you agree with that assessment? And then what do you think has contributed to that particular view? Yeah, I mean, I think statistically you see that divorce is on the decline. I did see a stat of the day talked about it. it's going up in one area, and I could be off on this, but uh, and that's empty nesters, and that doesn't mm. surprise mm. me at all because mm-hmm. we've been so kid focused that kids move right. out of the house. And you're like, who are you? Uh, exactly. So I I think that's true. Like I've watched that I've watched that happen. I do feel like with marriage, stats get a little bit weird uh, because we're predicting. You know, we're predicting something that's going to happen, that this many people are going to divorce. And I think the way they calculate divorce is even actually odd. I've talked to a couple of researchers, and they said the whole thing's a little bit twisted. So we say a lot that marriage is not a stat, it's a story. And I think stats can be dangerous sometimes, especially for couples that are just getting married, to tell them they've got a 50-50 shot. Uh, especially millennials, that's really tough. But I think culturally we have painted marriage as the old ball and chain. We've done it through comedy. We've done it through 
we have become really more relaxed. Uh, divorce is on the table as a, as an option. I've seen that be true, mm-hmm. but I've also seen you watch what happens when a group of people are f- for each other's marriage. You know, right. we're supporting right. each other. And I think that's why we both get excited about working in the local church. Is you're like, wait a minute, if we put just a little bit of community and a little bit of love and a little bit of um, you know support for each other and point them toward a couple of God's truths. I mean, it really is amazing. I I feel like marriage right now, you know, you get biblical here. It feels like it's at spiritual milk. You know, yes. so we need to give people little drinks and they go, oh, yes. it tastes good. Then they can move to the meat. But us marriage guru people, we want to dump all this content on them. Right, the time. right. But sometimes we just help them laugh and help them to affirm. They're like, totally. Yeah. And, I, and that moves the needle big time. Yeah. yeah. And I think that if people feel that, they're being supported and that someone's on their side, it really encourages them. Absolutely. It, it's like, okay, I'm going to be accountable to this. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to be help. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Deanne, I would ask you, what do you think when you hear, you know, women in the neighborhood or, the, you know, at work, we probably don't need to do that because they may listen to it. Just, it's, <laughs> do you feel like women talk one way about marriage? Have you watched how that's evolved over the years or is that, I don't want to stereotype or anything, but... Talk right. a, I'm always curious about that because, you know, big and rich, you know, we have our ideas of what the men, men are thinking. What do you think is different about what women are thinking? Well, I think that um, in, my, in my experience with the people that I'm talking to and stuff, that a lot of times it's a me, it's not a teamwork. It's more of a keeping score. You know, what, have, what are they doing? You know, my husband did this. And um, I'm not going to respond to that. So it's just a negative aspect of it. And that would be the secular world for sure. And I think it also bleeds over into the Christian world as well. And, um, you know, just reminding people that, okay, we're we're on a team. Your your, um, husband is not your enemy. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to get them to realize that as well. That's good. It's true. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. So, um, Ted, I have a question too. So in, in the because the world that we live in their divorce is an option and that we see many more um, young people that, or even people that are a second, you know, they've divorced and they're out playing the field and stuff and have boyfriends and girlfriends. And um, the attitude is, you know, why should I get married? What is the purpose or point of marriage? How would you answer that? You know, I think there's, there's a couple of answers to that. I think from the church perspective, you know, Biblically, it is to, you know, marriages reflect the relationship between Christ and the church. So I tell church leaders all the time is, you know, mar- the marriages in your church is the number one marketing tool for your church. If it's supposed mm-hmm. to reflect that, if it's the one that's sending the message, the question is, what are the marriages in your church saying about your church? And what are the marriages in your church saying about Jesus? And if they can say something beautiful, like if it can say something that's sacrificial, if it can say something that's that two people that are for each other, they they connect, they laugh, they talk really great about each other in front of other people. They put uh, their mm-hmm. marriage ahead of their kids. I still believe there's nothing more appealing in this culture than a marriage that's working really, really well. Uh, not perfect. Yeah, I, I love that right. you said not perfect and not the the expectation because a lot of people I think have an expectation that when I get into this thing, when when we do this, I have this vision in my head of what it's going to be. And if it's not that, it totally breaks down and we're like, oh, I made a wrong decision or this is not working and where's plan B? 
totally. And it's, yeah, it's not perfection. It's certainly not Facebook face. <laughs> it is this genuine connection of two people that are racing to the back of the line. And I think about, you know, Pew Research says that millennials, their top two pre- priorities, despite what culture says, their top two priorities are they want to be a great parent and they want to have a great marriage. So if the mm. church is known as the one that can help them do that, then that's going to drive millennials back in the church. I think that's one of the greatest bridge that we can do as a church. Of course, I'm sure I'm totally biased on that. And I think, you know, it's great to have, you know, just from the standpoint of, you know, doing life with one other person. Like I travel a right. good bit and I usually either bring my wife or a kid, but I'll go to places and they could be cool things to see. And I'm like, eh, I don't want to see it by myself. If I'm not seeing it with her or with my kid, right. I don't want to see it. There's just something about having that person do life with forever. That's just extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I feel like I have to put a pause in the conversation here because I want our listeners to know, I'm sure that as we're listening, that um, you're like, man, this is so good. I want more of this stuff. I want I want to know more. I want to be involved more. I want to all of those things. So one way that we have uh, provided a way for you to be able to do that is Ted wrote a book called Your Best Us. And it is a, a book. It's a, a really easy read. It is a read that you're going to feel like this is not difficult. I can push through this and I can do really well and take the information that's there and latch on to it really quickly. Put it into and practice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we have three of those books to give away to our listeners today. So if you are listening, I want you to go over to our website at growinginmarriage.com and right there on the homepage, you can enter. There's going to be an option that's uh, on the homepage there that says your best us giveaway. And if you click that link, you will be entered automatically to win a copy of Ted's book. And I I just can't wait for you to read that. And for those of you who weren't lucky enough to win a copy of the book, you can get this on amazon.com, on uh, the Barnes and Noble, all the national booksellers, it's available. And I think, I'm not sure, Ted, is this available in a digital copy as well? It is in audio version too. That's awesome. So if you're a visual learner, if you are a, a audio learner, if you are, it's available for you. So uh, head on over to growingmarriage.com and enter right now to win. And it just so happens here, guys, that I have a conversation starters uh, for couples from Growing in Marriage. So on our podcast, we're not going to give away three of these. We're going to give away two of these because I'm going to keep one of them. <laughs> I'm just not as generous as they are. Uh, but you know what's so great about, you know, I saw this thing in the day. It's that couples are speaking on average four minutes a day. And if they're surviving off of four unintentional minutes, what could they do with the f- four intentional minutes? Could it totally. be? Could it be great? And that's what I love about this. I think what you guys have done here, with the conversation started, the cards, is just making it so accessible. I mean, they're even slick enough. Like you could spill spaghetti on them and wipe them off, <laughs> right. and still give them to your neighbor. I, I, you know, I honestly thought about that. As a father of five, I was like. This would be very hard for my children to destroy. They could even rip it if they wanted to. Uh, Right? But I think it's those fun questions. It's those easy questions. That's just, I just think we've made marriage way too complicated. And when I see stuff like this, I'm like, yes, this is is where it's at. So we're going to give away two. 
maybe three if I get generous. Um, <laughs> so what we want you to do is go to our show notes and we will have uh, a link there that allow you to uh, register to win those or we get your email on how to do that. And we will send those to you as well. You're going to want these. They're so fun. So fun. Nice. Afton actually, did Afton talk about these? Our producer, Robert, did Afton talk about these? Yes. I think she's talked about these already on the podcast. Yeah. So, you know, hey, listen, if they're Afton approved, they're everybody else on the planet. Right, yeah. right. Thanks, Afton. <laughs> That's Afton, awesome. she's a tough cookie, man. I love it. Yeah, she is a, uh, a spitfire. So thank you, Afton. Appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, we're just Afton approved resources. Sure. Right? Yes, yes. Mm, Caesar to so get Ted, into the CIA. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ted, so, you know, you guys, you and your wife have been married for almost 24 years. And so I'm sure that you've um, experienced some tough times in your marriage. So when times do get tough in marriage, because we all know they will, how can couples fight for joy and prevent getting lost in the tough season they may be in at the moment? How do you fight for joy during the tough seasons? Well, first of all, I think it's like we've got to serve each other. Like you talked about earlier, we've got to serve each other during those times. We've got to be so full of grace mm-hmm. with each other during those times. But then carving out that time for joy. You know, yes, we've had some very tough time in our marriage, have very tough time with extended family and with our kids at different points. And I find never is there more important time than to carve out time. Like I, one of the roughest times in our marriage, I ended up finding uh, the 30th anniversary showing of Dirty Dancing, which some of our Baptist listeners will <laughs> deem me worthy to go somewhere. But uh, so I took her to see that. You know, we'd been really busy, uh, lots of heaviness at our house. We really didn't have time to do it. Like, you know, you don't have the energy when you're going through that stuff. You're like, Mm -hmm. you want to go somewhere? I don't care. You kind of give each other permission not to do the right thing. Right. Uh, Right. So I surprised her with this. And it's the trick with my wife. She doesn't like me to spend a lot of money. And she's a health nut with food. So she's not a foodie, which kills a lot of good times for me personally. Uh, But then not (laughs) spending money. I don't know. But this was cheap. Uh, she was so excited about it. It, it. For her, it communicated that I thought about it in advance. And we go to this showing of Dirty Dancing, and it just meant a lot to her. We laughed. We giggled. We're going out the door. We're going. We're not talking about children. That's mm-hmm. all we talk. We have to push pause on that, too. We'll get fixated on the problem, and we just talk about it, talk about it, talk right. about it, talk about it. We had friends that told us when we first got together that said, don't talk about anything before 9 a.m. and any time after 9 p.m., anything important. Hmm. Uh, so there's that part, but just what are those times you're just carving out? Because gosh, we get so serious as married couples; everything gets so heavy, as if Absolutely. everything depends on us. Just going, come on, guys, we get, let's be fun, even in the right. midst of the hard, right? Right, the right. silliness. Um, I call them scuba diving skin moments. I've got scuba diving skins that are black and fluorescent yellow, and they are tight. And I've had them for for years. And if I ever need to make the house a little bit lighter, all I got to do is put on those scuba diving skins. <laughs> I can imagine. So just I, take it from there. I walk in and it's impossible for her to be angry with me in those right. moments. So what about right. what about you guys when it's tough, you're going through that? I want to ask you that same question. What, how do you find joy in the middle of work? I mean, like, Dan, you were like, I, you know, you carved out some time to do this, which thank you so much for doing that. Oh, yeah. In the pace Absolutely. of real life, how do you guys do that? Well, I think one of the main things, one of our common themes, our thread is our friendship. We truly are best friends. Yeah. And like like you were saying, you know, with the scuba diving gear, that we can be in the thick of it 
and he'll ritual do something and make a certain face or do his lips a certain way. And then I just start giggling. And it's good because I think that it makes me feel like, oh, we're still on the same page. It reiterates that. And I really, truly do enjoy being with him. He is one of my favorite people. And sometimes I don't always want to be next to him, share the same <laughs> space with him. But at the end of the day, he is my best friend. Yeah, I, I actually agree with everything that you just said, babe. And one of the things that really works for me, because I am more introverted. And it kind of sounds a lot of people who who know me would say, no, you're not. And even my own kids give me pushback at that. But when I'm out, when I'm at uh, church or when I'm uh, on the platform and I have to speak or at work or whatever, I, I'm, I'm, I just call it, I, I'm just on and I put on the, the face. It's not fake. It's right. not, not real, but it's just the face for the moment. Energy all level going. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Energy but when I get home, going. man, I just want to be with myself, with my family. Like a lot of people get energized. My best friend, he is energized with being around a lot of people and having a lot of those relationships. That drains me. I the get life force out of you. Totally. <laughs> so I get energized by having maybe three to five to six individuals that I can be completely and totally transparent and open with and really value those relationships. So for me, it's taking a step backwards and being introspective. Like, where did this really go wrong? And what's really going on in your heart? And being able to wrestle that out in my own self, then taking that to the Lord in prayer and saying, God, I need your help in this particular area. I don't feel good about this and I don't know why. And I don't know why this bothers me so deeply, but it does. And then being able to go back to my wife. And sometimes it's not right away. Sometimes it takes me uh, a couple hours or a couple days before I get past it and move on. Um, but I always make my way back. And I think the reason I'm able to do that, I, I just have to credit it to this because I don't think it would work this way if it wasn't the case, is that my love for Jesus. I just, I absolutely love him. And I know that if he is pointing something out in my life, if he is bringing correction or just in his word, I'm, I'm, I'm taking in what I'm reading. And then I'm realizing oh, I don't do that. Well, I just know that it's his good grace to me. And, and that's really my main way of fighting for joy and working my way back. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah. Somebody told us there's five kids, but he said, Hey, the more dependence I have at my house, the more dependent I am on God. Right. Uh, right. I get so that. I have found that to be true. We're both like, hey, man, we were kind of coasting before, but we really need Jesus now. And what that's done, we've kind of needed Jesus so it, we can have patience right now. Yes. We don't have, but what it's done, it's that extra time with him and that extra need of him is now flowing on to each other. So that's, yeah, yeah 100%, pointing to him 100%. So maybe you could be a little vulnerable with us and tell us about a time where you and Nancy were in just a bad season of your marriage. And how did you guys navigate it? Because our couples, I mean, as they're listening, they're like, okay, this is great, but how do I do it? What did you do? What are some practical things you did? Yeah. So you gave the example of me wanting to not move to California and her wanting to move to California. We yes. actually had the reverse of that true. We were living in California first five years of marriage. 
I loved everything about it. The four seasons, spring, summer, spring, summer. Uh, but <laughs> then uh, we started talking about having family, and we decided together, it was a joint decision that we were going to move back to Georgia, which was close to our families. And when we got back, I didn't like it. She loved it. I didn't like it. It's because I, I was missing, you know, California. I was missing our buddies. I was missing our church. And so I can remember very clearly being out mowing this stupid Georgia big lawn going, you know, I'm like, I don't need a park. I just need access to one. What is this? This is ridiculous. But everything was through this view. And in fact, I had this little phrase, everything that didn't go well, I go, well, welcome to Georgia. And what I was really saying is, look what you've done to our lives. Right. Uh-huh. And so I started thinking through this whole thing, Philippians 4, 8, you know, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's lovely, whatever, you know, that you start running it through. It says, if any thing is praiseworthy. Think about such things. Mm-hmm. And then when I would run that situation back through in the situation of, of us moving back, me blaming it on her, when I take that verse and I run it through Philippians 4, 8, I go, wait a minute. What's true is we decided together. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's true is I don't, I'm missing California. That's very true. What's true is I need to love my wife. What's noble is uh, is the fact that she wants to be around our family and, you know, to start running it through that. And for couples that are really struggling right now, like if somebody's listening and they're just in the worst kind of place and they feel like they've just been listening to two couples that are living the rainbow, perfect marriage, I'd say this. It says, if anything is praiseworthy, think on that such thing. So most mm-hmm. couples, most spouses can pause. And if you'll just start with one thing, even if you're really struggling, what's that one thing? Are they getting up and going to work every day? Mm-hmm. Are they trying to be a good dad? Are they trying to be a good mom? So I think it's those moments just to, that's what shifted everything for me was I got to be so careful how I think about her. Because again, the biggest study ever done on married couples was the ones who thought more highly of their spouse in every category than their spouse thought of themselves. And so it's this thing of what are you thinking about your spouse? And again, that's a choice. But that's totally right. four eight. Like I just say, run your spouse through that. Run your situation through that. Whether you're a believer or not. And if you're a believer, this is not even this is not optional, right? Right. 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 And it's beyond powerful. So I would say that that's what revolutionized things for us when I finally started going. I can't I keep running this stuff through my mind of, you know, the tallies or whose fault it is. So I think that for anybody listening, I think that's been one of the most powerful things for us. What about you guys? What what would you say? Well, our one of our big, biggest hurdles in the hardest seasons of life, uh, it really wasn't a season where we were against and pitted against one another, or I, sh- I shouldn't even say it that way. Um, where there was resentment back and forth. But our daughter was super sick when she was four months old. She had um, she was had RSV, which is a respiratory infection. And for most couples, looking back on that situation now, most couples, if you just look at them through the lens of everyday life, it would have been a traumatic event. Matter of fact, it was a traumatic event across the board in any couple's life. I'll say it that way. And it was a situation where I literally thought the doctors had told us, call your family and have them come say their goodbyes because your daughter's not going to make it. So it was very difficult. And Deanna had this lockjaw, like pit bull faith locked in that Mm -hmm. said, we are not going to let go. 
God is going to do something. I don't know what it is, but we're not going to let go. And I was not at that place. I was frantic. I was out of control. I was, um, it was not pretty. Yeah, and, <laughs> I'll say and that's it that a complete way. role reversal for us too. It, it really so, is. Yeah. yeah. And during that time, it would have been very easy for me to point my finger because we had just got back from Disneyland. It would be very easy for me to point my finger and say, hey, you know what? You shouldn't have taken her to Disneyland. And why didn't you have her coat on her? And why didn't you do this? And why didn't you do that? And it wasn't that for us. Mm -hmm. It was um, it was my wife coming alongside of me. I'll never forget how gracious she was to me in that in those moments in those days where our daughter was put on life support she had stopped breathing and um, she was on life support for seven days and we literally did not know if she was going to make it or not and i don't know where my wife found the strength to care for both of us our little girl and for me but it just gave me this renewed sense that whenever we get into a bad place, I remember you made reference to this a little bit earlier, Ted, we're on the same team. Mm -hmm. Like there's nothing too big that we will not be able to overcome and we will not be able to conquer together. There's nothing too small. And like even right now, I'll even uh, share this with our listeners. Right now, I am in a tough place personally and just working out and dealing with some things uh, between uh, Deanna and I, that I'm just like, I just don't feel good about this. And I feel like I am on the, the short end of the stick, but I'm reminding myself of those good things. And I'm reminding myself of that. This is not the, the, the Richard show. <laughs> this is not about me. This is about us. And then taking those to Jesus and saying, God, I don't know how to push through this particular situation. Um, so that that would be the example that I would share. Yeah, I would agree. And what and I just want to point out too, what did get me through that was I remember whenever I was actually in the room whenever they intubated her and it was the classic like ER scene sending me to the chapel and stuff. And I was thinking, oh, the only reason why you go to chapel is if you're gonna if someone's gonna die. Mm -hmm. And so I remember being in there and just begging God, please save my baby. And, you know, we, it took us a while to get pregnant with her. And I'm like, you can't take her away from me. Please don't. And I remember the Holy Spirit telling me, start thanking me. And once I started thanking him for the outcome, whether it be, and I didn't know if the outcome was going to be her living or her passing away. I just know that the Holy Spirit told me to start thanking him. Yeah. And once I started thanking him, that's whenever my whole entire the atmosphere changed, you know, for me. And it was still scary. We still had, you know, two more weeks in the hospital and stuff with her. And, but and things, other things came up and stuff that were just like, oh, this is completely opposite of, it was really a testing of my faith and really knowing that, okay, am I going to do, am I going to trust him? Am I going to thank him for what he did? Or am I going to turn around and just, you know, hide in a hole? So right. that was my, where I drew that strength from. Yeah. And I think that that can happen with, you know, any situation really is that whenever we start, it's just the whole changing your, your thinking, the perspective and the whole entire paradigm changes at that point. And how's your girl today? Oh, she's 15 going on 30. Right. 
she's she's great. God completely healed her and stuff, and she's she's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. We we have a podcast where we share the story where uh, the doctors. I mean, they they give us every piece of bad news that they yeah. can give us. She's got congestive heart failure. Her liver is hard. It's moved out of place. She's having seizures, and we don't understand why. All of their tests are coming back positive. It's not looking good. And um, we fast forward through the story. I knelt over her crib, prayed over her, and 21 minutes later, everything had changed. Her liver was soft. It was back in place. They re-ran all these tests. It took forever. They all came back negative. There was no longer congestive heart failure. It it was really, truly Mm -hmm. a a miracle of God. And it it was so, you know, looking back and knowing that God used that situation to um, work something out in, I, I really think both is both of us to work something out in. Totally. And you know, if it's really a wonderful thing that God uses, He doesn't He doesn't purposely put us through things, you know. But it's just just allowing it. He u- purposely uses things that we're going through to mm-hmm. teach us things and to grow us up. Yeah. And isn't that amazing? How sometimes you know one of you's strong when the other one's weak, and you know, right the reverse. You know. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You better me- mess with the mamas, man. Uh, right? <laughs> they just, just got something not that we... take them, my that, baby. <laughs> yeah, that dads don't have. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say it. I believe that with every fiber of my being. And so, you know, Same we're here. supposed to be the tough ones. And you see those kind of situations. And you don't want to mess with the mama now. I'm telling yeah. you. Right. I yeah. love it. Right. It's so yeah. good. So good. Well, I'm so glad that's the that's the story. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you, you know, I, I know that we are at the place where we should typically land the plane in our podcast, and we're a little bit over. Would you mind if we ask just a few more questions? Because I think we'll probably split this up into two okay. episodes. Sure. No, maybe not. Maybe I'll just let it go for one full one. But I do have a couple more questions that I think that are pretty, uh, our listeners would like to hear. You bet. Would that be okay? You bet. Okay. okay. So how would you, and if if a couple is stuck... How do you serve a spouse who continues to take and take and take, but doesn't give? Uh, how do you continue to serve that spouse without becoming bitter, without becoming angry, uh, and, and and still having a good attitude? That's a great question. I don't know if I have an easy answer for that. I think to ask, has there really been, you know, we say, I've just keep serving and serving. Is that true? I mean, I just, I mean, not that it just did start with there. Is this true? Have I really been serving and serving? Like I need to think, or have I been nagging and nagging? Or have I been frustrated and frustrated? Uh, you know, I mean, way out, take out the trash. I always have to take out the trash. You know, he never <laughs> takes right. out the trash. He never takes out the trash. So I think, it, I think I would start there. And then it's just having good conversations. And if you still keep bumping up against the wall, we at the low house are firm believers in counseling. Like, you know, it's just walking with a wise or talking to a pastor at a church. I love it. Just, we are too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we shout that out. You know, I remember asking, can we come in the back door? Because I didn't want anybody from the church to see us. And now we're telling it, people all over the country, <laughs> go to the <laughs> Right? Yes. Right? Go, we all do it. So, yeah. I would say, yeah, just every situation is a little bit different. But just check yourself. And then if it's true, if they're just taking and taking, I would I would reach out. Yeah. Nice. Okay, so here's here's another question I have for you, Ted. What's one piece of marriage advice that you would give that has proven to be better than gold in your own particular marriage and uh, that you've seen be gold in other people's marriages as well? Well, I'll speak for my wife. I interviewed her for a small group study, and she's, we laughed that she's the man in the relationship. 
So am I. I know. I kind of kind of picked up on that a little bit. Uh, so, yeah, I think you Did guys. Did you? Are, what gave it away? Yeah, just a little bit. Uh, and I, I asked her. I said, "What does it take? You know, to have a great marriage? You know, we'd been talking about all the nuances." And she goes, "Be kind." And I was like, "Do you want to expound on that?" No. And then I keep pushing, and she goes, "Look, here's reality. We used to be unkind to each other, and our marriage was really tough. It, when we're unkind, it's tough. When we're kind." It's great. And I really do feel like that that's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth. It's not easy to be kind always, yeah. mm-hmm. but it's right. And so I think that, and just how you're thinking, you know, I mentioned earlier just how we're thinking about our spouse. Just be really careful with that. Like, because, you know, our thoughts are not our actions and our attitude, but they determine both. Sure. So I think that's how so we good. think. What about you guys? What would that be for you? Hmm. You know, one of the things that, and this goes back to what Deanna said earlier, because I, this is just classically us. It is friendship that has been, and that has proven over and over and time and time again, that this is gold in our relationship. So for couples who have been in a relationship for two years, have been married or five years, and we know couples who have been married for 30 something years. And they said to us, we never even considered Mm -hmm. being friends with one another. Mm -hmm. That just never even crossed our mind. And we looked at each other and of course, all four of us laughed and we had a good chuckle about it, but they were absolutely sincere when they were saying this. And they're like, you know, just watching you and Deanna has, um, is really new information for us. And we're taking this and we're learning how we can be friends with one another. And I think that if you have a marriage that doesn't consist of a, a good friendship, that man, that's a huge missed opportunity. And, um, and you, you say, you know, have fun. I mean, friendship is part of having fun. It's, it's going through the tough times together as well, but it's having fun too. And without, you know, there's, there's friendship, there's the fun part of marriage, and then there's the sex, which is fun. But if you take those two things out, I mean, it's just a business relationship, isn't it? It's just a, you're just roommates at that point. Mm -hmm. So don't allow, and, and I and I, I stereotype that, I say that generally because that can be picked apart. Every example falls apart at some level, but don't allow those two components of your marriage. It's, you know, the sex uh, is probably going to happen or, but the friendship though, that's the one that a lot of couples miss. And I would say for us, it's friendship, developing that friendship and making sure that it is gold. Yeah. And along with that too, I would say that Knowing that you really are on my side totally, and you're not waking up in the morning thinking, how am I going to mess with Deanna? How am I just going to ruin her day? You know, at the end of the day, we are on the same team. Yeah. And that's really helpful as well. Yeah. Recognizing that. That's good. Well, you guys, very, very fun. Thanks for having me on and thanks for coming on our podcast. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm so glad we got the opportunity to do this. It has been since you guys started your Married People podcast and I first started listening, I told my wife way back then, oh my goodness, I love this guy. I wish that we can get him on our podcast. And then I thought, oh, he would never come on our podcast. And then <laughs> here we are. <laughs> Almost two years later, uh, here we are. You got to dream so, bigger, buddy. You got to yeah. right? <laughs> dream way bigger. <laughs> well, it's an honor. 
honor. Thank you so much. Well, it's an honor to have you guys as well. So have a good rest of your day. Now we get to go back and be normal married people and go to work. Like everybody thinks we're living like a marriage cloud where people are bringing us grapes. But completely and totally. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of the podcast. Today's episode was brought to you by the Married People Membership. The Married People Membership is an affordable monthly subscription that gives married couples like you a ton of great resources every month. That's like date nights, videos, eBooks, messages, and more, all to help you make your marriage better. We are so excited about this resource and you can buy it for yourself or give it away as an anniversary gift to your spouse or another couple whose marriage you want to into. And if you want to learn more, then all you need to do is visit marriedpeople.org. That's it for us this week. Until next time, I'm CJ, and thanks for listening.